Nothing can stop me, I'm all the way up What up, everybody? Broadcasting to you live from Koreatown in Los Angeles, California. It's the Ozone. I am your host, Omar Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Omar Miller, on Instagram at Omar Benson Miller. And you are joined by my brother from the same mother, my co-host, Terry Miller. Terry the Icons at Instagram and Twitter. That doesn't make any sense. It's at Icons, E-Y-E-C-O-N-Z. Thank you. So let's just let's just get right into it. Since you're trying to confuse people about your social media handles, uh, you must have some controversial stuff to share because there was some controversial stuff that got shared this week in sports. That is just pretty incredible. I mean, we got a lot of stuff to cover this week. We got uh, th- this thing in the NFL draft is just kind of mind blowing to me. This kid Laramie Tunsil and and this thing uh, just completely unraveling like simultaneous to him being drafted and him being on stage and answering questions is just honestly almost too crazy to be true this is a a fiction is is odder than fact situation or fact is odder than fiction situation sorry the truth is much stranger than fiction in this uh we're gonna get into that we're, we're gonna get into that triple g fight that we were uh, pretty much ringside at uh thanks again to the champ for some for some killer seats want to get into uh to these NBA playoffs, and I hear the L.A. Lakers have a new coach. Uh-oh. Right. That's beautiful. That's, come on. It's beautiful. It's always going to make mm. news when the Lakers get a new coach. Luke. Uh, <laughs> I am I'm your father. Your father. <laughs> the father of the Lakers? He could be. He might have just been. He might have birthed a new generation of Lakers. It's unbelievable. But I want to start out with something which is always our favorite, which is baseball. What in the world is going on in baseball? This is Juice Week. We're gonna call it. OJ Simpson must be about to get out because the juice is loose. Uh, we're dealing with two big suspensions this week, one bigger than another because one was uh, uh, Chris Colapello up there in, in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He got him. What did he pick up? 50 game suspensions? I do believe it's 80. I thought you get 80 off the top, right? Oh, oh, do you? Yeah. I wow. think it's 80 off rip. And then the, uh, the next time it's a year and the next time it's a lifetime ban. Come on, man. They're not, they're not playing games. They're not playing games with you, even though I find it pretty interesting that a lot of guys feel like they need an even bigger deterrent as though that's not enough, you know, because a lot of guys are saying like Justin Verlander came out and was saying, hey, that when 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 our the big story of it is D Gordon and when D Gordon got caught uh, uh, for using performance enhancing drugs. He came out and said, this shit is really bothering me. We got to figure out a way to really get people you know, really, really deter people. Now, D. Gordon won the batting title last year, and it's a much bigger deal than Chris Colabello. Right. Uh, but I think that the big deal in general is is that the juice is still in relevant. You know, the, the juice is still in the league, and you have to wonder. You know, definitely that it that it slowed down the use because you got less guys throwing 100 miles an hour, and you also have less guys hitting 800 foot bombs on broken bats. Um, but the juice is still there, man. What do you think about it, T? Well, I think that the juice is going to stay there. There's no reason for it to leave the game, really, when you look at I, it from an athletic. Hello? Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, from an athletic standpoint, I mean, 
this I think D got caught with a couple of different types of testosterone. So and he he's saying that he got it over the counter. It's hard. A lot of people, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people seem to go this route, which is let's read D's statement. D Gordon said, though, I did not do so knowingly. I have been informed that test results showed I ingested something that contained prohibited substances. The hardest part about this is the feeling I've let down my teammates, the organization and the fans. I've been careful to avoid products that could contain something banned by Major League Baseball and the 20 plus tests that I've taken and passed throughout my career prove this. I made a mistake and I accept the consequences. Now, I, I, you know, I saw something on the news the other night. One of the sportscasters who seemed to be really partial to D really seemed to to give him a pass, and only in the sense that he said, hey, "D's a great young man. He's had a lot of struggles keeping on weight." I find it really interesting how much more lenient everyone is on little guys who juice as opposed to say big guys like a Rod who juice. You right. know, right? I just think it's the whole image of a big guy hitting bombs, and you don't think about a small guy or even the pitchers. The pitchers get a lot of leeway with it because you pitchers don't get a lot of yeah. leeway. Nobody talks about them. Yeah, so that sort of balances out the guys hitting bombs when you got a guy throwing 101, 102 miles an hour. It used to be a big deal back in the day, you know, because the average speed per hour for a pitch was around eighty-five miles an hour for the longest, and I think it's up to probably about ninety right now. Speed per hour was that the, miles per hour? Have, have a guy throw for an hour and see how long he was speeding. Yeah, see how long he can last. On the four hundred five, I'm doing five. No, you can't do eighty five on the four hundred five. <laughs> yeah, no, you know it's a very interesting situation. I mean, it's kind of like how they used to let the you know guys foul Shaquille O'Neal and then they would call a touch foul if you look at Michael Jordan the wrong way. Uh, it's it's just very interesting to me. I feel like. The situation with this, from what I understand, it was some sort of testosterone booster. I've heard reports about D. Gordon giving up pickup basketball and uh, eating chicken and rice and so on and so forth to try to keep weight on throughout the grueling 162-game season. I mean, I don't think you can really have an excuse for trying to get the competitive edge. You also can't be naive enough to be surprised that these guys want a competitive edge and with the stakes being as high as they are, that they're willing to do whatever it is that they need to to get it. Realistically, we talked about this about a little more than a month ago where our sound engineer, Ernie, decided to, to share with us that he would be willing to juice for the kind of money that's available <laughs> in Major League Baseball. Right. Realistically, D. Gordon was, a, a, I would say, an average Major League second baseman with the Dodgers uh, who had a lot of potential. Well, that window on realizing his potential seemed like it was closing. He worked very hard in the offseason. Everybody attested to it. He picked up his defense. He started getting on base more and striking out less. And that's when the Dodgers dealt him. And then last year he goes, he seems like he has it all together in uh, Miami, really. He's the leadoff hitter. He ends up uh, leading the league in hitting, steals a bunch of bases. I think he led the league in stolen bases, either him or Billy Hamilton. Yeah, he had 58. Yeah, and then uh, and and run scored, yada 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 yada. Total stud season. Uh, then signs a big deal, fifty million dollar deal. I think it was for four years. Uh, my issue is, it, I have a couple things I want to discuss. One, I want the fans to stop being so stupid so as to think that guys in contract years miraculously always put up their best numbers. This isn't a coincidence, and everybody needs to really start being uh, realistic about understanding that why is it that every guy in, the, in their 
in their contract year puts up the best numbers of their career. Does, does everyone really believe that these guys just aren't trying until it's a contract year? Well, maybe, you know, maybe it's the focus issue as well. You know that you have a lot on the line, so you decide to focus this year more so than you have in the past because you're still making good money, but that's the difference between making good money and great money, you know? Well, you know, and is it that or do you decide I'm taking something to take my game to the next level and this is what I need? And then when you decide that, you see the results. And and I wonder how much of it is self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, yeah, I wonder how much of it is placebo, uh, the placebo effect where they take something and then they say, yeah, I got it. It's a confidence factor. You know, I can remember when the big juicing scandal happened back in the early 2000s. I think it was 2003, four, like that. Guys got off the juice and couldn't even make contact. Right. Like it was, it, man, you couldn't have got to the major leagues if you couldn't make contact with a fastball. What's going on here? And that was definitely mental. But then you look uh, yeah. at, like I said, look at these guys, though, these pitchers that get off the hook. You Like uh, Eric Gagne type of guy who was throwing like 200 miles an hour. You know, um, you, you completely talk, off the hook. Yeah, completely. completely gets off the hook. All the records stand. Yeah, all the records stand. Nobody ever questioned, you know, questioned like not that he was doing it, but rather, you know, the 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 results, you know, what what he was doing, the the saves and everything else. I mean, you, he was completely unhittable. He was unhittable, but he's not the only one. You know, no, this, he this wasn't. Thing, but it's a it's a lumping effect that's going on. And it's a, it's a very interesting situation because obviously the guys that aren't juicing want the playing field to be level. There's a lot of talk that, hey, listen, man, everybody's on something, which is, you know, unfortunate, but it's very interesting. I mean, the Marlins are the second hottest team in all of baseball right now. The Marlins have won uh, uh, six straight. Um, they, they came into L.A., and they put it on the Dodgers, which was something I want to talk about with uh, Don Mattingly coming to L.A. and, and getting his just desserts. Mm-hmm. But I want to stay on this D. Gordon situation uh, and, and Chris Colabello just because of the results. Now, just, for me, I think like with a guy like Chris Colabello, who's been in the minor leagues for most of his career, and uh, you know he was a, a basically a nice AAA player, but then when he came to the show, he actually started producing nice numbers. And... Uh, you know, I think that a guy like him has more of an incentive to do something like that than a D. Gordon. D. Gordon, I honestly believe him because not just the big little guy issue, but what is he going to get out of it really? It's not really do you think that it's going to make him that much faster? Do you think that it's going to make him that much stronger? I think it's more of a maybe a injury or a supplement issue more so than anything. Well, I also think that we got to start figuring out what's in all these supplements if we're going to believe that guys are taking stuff accidentally. Um, and what, I, you know, it, it's just hard to call. I'm really, yeah, but he already got his contract. So what's his, what's his reason now? You know, he didn't he already Well, got but it. you know, but, but then there's the other side of it, which is how long does this stuff stay in your system? And, you know, they test for the synthetic versus the, uh, versus the, the natural, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a really interesting thing to me that a guy can juice and a little guy can juice not for the home run or the power benefits. Maybe it is the longevity. Maybe it is the recovery. Um, or maybe it's like you said, and it's actually was just by accident. It's it's just a trip to me that this is still a factor in the game of Major League Baseball so that we know that the game isn't fair, if you will. Because just like when it happened after the Mitchell report and after they banned uh, HGH and uh, the, the juice that, that all the guys were on before it was illegal, like the, the Maguires and all those guys, um, is that you had guys like Yvonne Rodriguez coming to, coming to camp 
30, 40 pounds light talking about, oh, I gave up McDonald's. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure you did, dude. I just find it very interesting, you know, and it always makes me think about all of these guys who uh, who played in that era and who still play now and can dominate. It's just really, you just never know. It seems like there's no real way to know. It's a it's a really interesting situation. Well, that's why they randomly test, though, right? I mean, I mean these guys they they're taking something. Every obviously, they all have to take some kind of form of supplement so that they can play 162 games. You're lucky right. if you can play 162 games, but to think that you're just going to go through the whole season with just meat and potatoes is ridiculous. Back in the day, the guys used to use speed. So you know, and when they talk about giving a guy an asterisk next to his name, should they get one next to theirs? Because that's performance enhancing more so than anything. What about the guys who are using cocaine and everything else? I mean, all these are performance enhancing at some level. White lies. As pure as a driven snow. I'm going through my mind. <laughs> and all I want to think of you. <laughs> Something like I'm not my baby, baby. It's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, this is all up for personal interpretation and for the interpretation of the writers who get people in the hall, I guess, because... Which is ridiculous. Yeah, a guy who never played the game really should have a little bearing on the people who get into the highest accolade for the game, in my right. opinion. Right. Um, but you know what? We I, I know we got a new caller here. One yeah. of our listeners wanted to participate, and uh, we have Dr. Don on the line. Let's see what Dr. Don has to say about this whole situation. Yeah, let's get him on. So we got a, we got a, a, a new friend of the Ozone and, and a professional in the medical field. We got Dr. Don on the line to talk about juicing in sports. Hello. Hey. What do you think about the situation with D. Gordon being caught on uh, this testosterone? That's a huge, huge discussion if you're not involved in sports at all. But it's a short discussion if you've been doing it a long time. As you know, I've been doing sports medicine. This is my 37th year with all grades of professional athletes. And the first question you've got to answer before you even rope in D about all this kind of stuff is, who came up with the name performance-enhancing drugs? It definitely wasn't a sports doctor. Hmm. Um, it's... It's such a broad explanation because um, some people, certain vitamins make them, you know, better athletes, so to speak. So I'm anything. Anytime you use like steroids, particularly if they're not through a, a physician, mm-hmm. you're usually going to get some side effects that actually make you less of an athlete. Usually, you bulk up, tendons get sore, they rupture, your wow. body retains water, makes you slower, increases your mass. So if you're going to be a sumo wrestler or Roman Greco, you know, something like that, you're gonna, you're probably going to do okay. But if you've got a sport where you have to have speed and agility and you have to think right, it's really it's not a performance-enhancing drug. Um, the, you know, the performance-enhancing comes from your mental state. Now, some people will take steroids and they actually improve their mental state, they think, at least short-term. Mm-hmm. So that makes them think they're better than they are, and that's when they get injured. But you can get the same thing from hypnosis and going to a therapy class and finding out that you are you're you're an okay guy. So you're saying it's more mental than anything, then? Oh, absolutely. You hear about steroid rage and people that take way more than what any doctor would prescribe. Um, They start to feel better and better, and pretty soon they go for that edge where you know you're no longer on the bunny slope, but you're going over huge moguls, and they think they can do it and they can't, and they injure themselves or somebody else. Your muscle twitch gets slower as the muscles get heavier, you know, and full of water. It, I just, there's no way to performance enhancing drugs for any of the professional sports we have today. Um, 
but they're very beneficial in healing, you know, ligaments, torn muscles, sometimes even cartilage, you know, at a very low dose in combination with other therapies so people can get back to work, you know, as an athlete. And that's what I think society, particularly physicians, need to look at. What can we do, you know, at what level to make sure that people at least don't get injured as much? And that's where growth hormone and low doses of steroids in a short period of time, with, along with the rehab and nutrition, seem to make them heal quicker. And as you know, Terry, like with D. Gordon and those guys, and, and I you know, just recently met quite a few of them on the Marlins team, mm-hmm. they, um, they, you know, they, they beat their bodies up, as you know, Terry. Right, and 162 so games. If you're playing basketball, if you're playing, you know, six to ten games a week and sometimes double and triple headers, you don't have that 12 or 18 hours to at least get your muscles to start rehabbing. And so you're pushing the envelope. So these guys are burning up every single hormone and growth they have in their body just to try to recover. They're, that's why their life expectancy is so short in baseball, 32, 36, 38, some of them. Right. They just, um, they burn out. And, you know, I've, Worked with a lot of pro athletes and, and athletes in the high school and college level the last 30, 40 years. And with, a, with an explanation, doing the proper blood test and writing to the NCAA or the NFL or MLB and explaining to them, this is what's going on. We've got a medial ulnar collateral ligament tear. It's incomplete. We want to do a little bit of PRP, Prolor, whatever anybody else is using, in combination with a low dose of you know one, two, three, four units of growth hormone along with it at, say, once a week or twice a week for four weeks, then you're describing the therapy so you know what you're doing. Um, and I've never had any of them ever say no, as long as you describe it. What athletes get in trouble with is because they're actually breaking you know, federal laws and a lot of state laws if they're using any um, testosterone growth hormone or any other substances to actually you know, improve their ability to heal or just to make them, quote-unquote, a better athlete. When they do that, they run the risk to their body, you know, getting some really crappy kind of medicine or drugs in it. And they run the risk of damaging themselves permanently. It should wow. be under, you know, a doctor's supervision with a trainer and stuff and knowing what they can do or can't. But for the life of me, I can't think of anything that's really performance enhancing as far as a drug. I take the case with um, the Chinese team in the Olympics. You know, they started doing real good in the long distance stuff, the swimming and the running. Mm-hmm. And I think the Olympic Committee was watching for a long time thinking they were using drugs. They were just using this fungus that grows on a hairy caterpillar above five, 6,000 feet called cordyceps. Wow. Improved their lung function, or at least they thought it did, and they did better. So wow. a lot of it's the psyche. And you know that. You've played the sports, Terry. Yeah. If you're psyched up for a game, um, you suddenly get faster, you get stronger, you, you, you're thinking clearer. But that's, you know, your endorphins kicking in. That's your adrenals kicking in. Your cortisol kicking in. Sometimes your growth hormone, your testosterone go up, you know? And now, now let me ask you this. Yeah. Um, this, I can't pronounce it properly, but exogenesis, uh, exogenous or something, testosterone and clobestol. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. These are the ones that D Gordon was caught with. What actually, how would they, that in, uh, give him any kind of performance enhancing situation? None of them are going to be performance enhancing it. You know, the the sterols will probably make him think that he's feeling better because you'll get a, like a short burst of energy for a day or so, but it goes out of the system pretty quick. It's not like um, the sesame suspended oils, you know, with, with testosterone and things like that that will actually stay in your body a little longer. But, um, you know, and obviously you probably didn't get it from a doctor because I don't know a doctor in the world that would, that would describe that right now, at least <laughs> legally or legitimately. Um I, you know, the risks are 
unsupervised and treating himself. That's the biggest risk. And, and Dee's a quick guy. He's got good muscle twitch. He's fairly fast at the bat and running the bases. That's the guy that's going to tear out and blow out a ligament in his knee or going to tear his elbow up or his shoulder, you know, doing a slide and hyperextend something. And the muscle and the ligaments are just going to tear from the, from the excessive uh, edema around those areas. So he's really not doing himself any good. In fact, you know, uh, he just shortened his lifespan probably in, in professional sports by doing that. Oh, really? Long term, it's not, it's not good for your health. No, no. I mean, like I said, under, um, and you guys have been in my office. It's, if I get, um, and you've seen all the walls and the helmets and the balls and all that kind of crap, mm-hmm. the, you know, if you do it under supervision and you make them follow and check in with you and you check everything from their blood test to how they're feeling and check out their mood, you know, at therapeutic doses, it, it, you don't get that, you know, that high that makes you feel like you can go out and, you know, jump to a window or something. It's, if you do the right to, to treat, it's not performance enhancing. You got to remember these guys, you know, they're beating their bodies up day and night and don't even have time for proper nutrition sometimes. So, you know, I personally think they ought to, you know, it should be fairly legal. And I think really pretty much is if you're under a doctor's supervision, but I think everybody's afraid to do that and go to the doctor and report that, what they're doing, you know, Hey, Oh, you know, for your show, you, I mean, your podcast, you should put in something called the ohm meter. The oh, the oh, that's nice, huh? Maybe so. That would just re- you could tell them to regulate uh, people like me and say they're full of shit or zero. Or <laughs> yeah, <that's- laughs> and I think, and my the personal my per- personal performance enhancing drug is called Home Depot. You know, like Tim <laughs> Allen, you go in there and you feel like you can just like tear a building down. You know? <laughs> Give you a sledgehammer, huh? How often do we think these athletes are self injecting? And obviously, financially, the incentive is good enough for them to to want to keep doing it. And which sports do we think that it's in the most? Well, let's start. Let's let's go below the professional sport aspect. Um, high schools and colleges. I think it's pretty rampant, more so in high schools than it is in college right now. NCAA is pretty much cracked down on them. Um, professional athletes, um, and it's pretty easy to tell which guys are doing it because they get those distended veins and broad neck and and disposition changes. So, you know, I, if I was just to pick up, you know, any, like say major league baseball team, I would say on an average on active players, nine on the field, probably two are doing something that isn't, uh, it's regulated by MLB, so at least two on a team. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and you'll, you'll know those guys cause they'll, they'll, they'll pop their bubble. soon. you know, they'll, they'll play real good for a while. And, um, and then they'll, give you the they'll blow hands. out a ligament and they'll start having repetitive right. injuries, particularly ligaments, and then they'll be out of the lineup and they'll become designated batters, and then they'll retire and then <laughs> go on to um, coach batting for the Marlins. But, and what, um, what about another – What about other sports? Yeah, what about other sports? As far as the NFL and the CFL, I know a few guys are playing both of those, um, off-season – a lot of them probably do it for rapid recovery, but the two or three that I might know are doing it at, at fairly low dose and intermittently. Um, most of them are going to, to as natural as they can, you know, with tribesterone or, you know, anything else that can stimulate it with arginine, what have you. But um, basketball, I don't see anybody doing that. In the old days of the NBA, um, when I was working in the 70s with a few of them, um, wasn't growth hormone or testosterone. They were using lidocaine and 
and cantalog and hydrocortisone to get rid of the inflammation. And I'm not going to mention any names, but that's why they destroyed their feet, their ankles, and then ended up crippled and couldn't play for long. Wow. Um, but uh, you can tell the kids that, you know, particularly from high school, I've seen a few from where my son went to school, and they, and they go on to play in a college setting, and they suddenly stop their steroids, and they go from 40 pounds overweight and muscle-bound to unable to perform at all at the college level, and then quit you know, by their first or second year. So, you know, I don't see any of this really as performance-enhancing. If you want to think that you can exercise more, recover faster as performance-enhancing, then God bless you. But I want my professional athletes not to come in and have a chip fracture or tore their their ulnar collateral ligament. I want them to do something that's going to keep it intact. And that's going to be under-regulated, you know, physician-monitored treatments. And I think they're extremely therapeutic for most injuries. And um, they were dangerous, you know, when they used to get it from the cadavers, the growth hormone, Mm -hmm. because you get all kinds of diseases from somebody else's brain. But now they're synthetic. It's, It's pretty good. Now, there's a lot of, you know, people that are making testosterone, like in the garage and, and stuff like that. Um, those people I've seen in my office with, like, big abscesses on their butt because it's not sterile, what have you. So there's a lot of risks as a pro athlete because, you know, I don't even know why D. Gordon would do anything because he's actually watching him physiologically. He's pretty sound. He's probably just working to death and thought he could get something to keep him going, you know. And a good trainer will pull him out for a while and let him rest. Yeah, so you don't believe that it was taken by accident then? Accident? Uh-huh. Do you think he took something uh, by accident, like over the counter? Um, not exogenesis over the counter, but um, you'd probably have to get a source to get that for you. And was it clobesterol mistaken? Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 Well, you know, those are steroids that have nothing to do with performance enhancing. So, you know, if they test them and they find steroids, I mean, Kids with asthma take steroids. Kids with um, asthma take um, inhalants that cause, um, you know, the heart to beat quicker and they take deeper breaths, but they got asthma. I'd rather they they took those drugs and didn't fall down, die from hypoxemia, you know, during a game. They scare the hell out of all the little kids. So, you know, they've just gone overboard. You know, you get a few bad apples and they want to, they want to chain everybody to, you know, to the wall. And I, so I was under doctor supervision. I think it should, you know, be allowed at least to help maintain them so they don't quit so early, you know? Right. So you think that it should be under a doctor's supervision in, you know, just overall, or should they just let it out, or should you just have it? Well, you know, I can go, you know, if we go through, you know, the two, 300 performance-enhancing drugs that they don't allow in most major sports and in the Olympics, you're going to see that 80% of them are probably commonly prescribed medications. Where the athlete fails is, you know, like myself, you know, that I'll write the prescription out and I'll tell them, keep a copy in your wallet, put a copy in a safe and go cash in that, that prescription for your inhalants or your epinephrine, you know, your beta blockers, whatever it is that you, you're taking, you know, antihistamines, like cholesterol, or that. And so, so that you have it, you can show it to the commissioner and say, hey, listen, this is what I have and this is legitimate. Otherwise, I could die. You know, or serious outcomes. And in that so, case, it could be excused. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Know, you know, my son. You know, you know, my son. You uh-huh. know, he played baseball, and football in high school, and then in college, and um, he had severe allergies. You know, and um, he was always kind of having to inhale something once the wind picked up and the field dust blew in, or somebody carried a cat onto the field. But he, he's to this day still does it. So if he was. Uh, 
Sarah became a professional athlete. He was taking some of the stuff he takes now routinely for his allergies and asthma. You know, they'd be, you know, suspending him at left and right. So it's just a shame, you know, when, when um, they go overboard and try to regulate. Just watch the kids that are doing it. And I can guarantee you, like D, if D Gordon's doing any growth hormone or testosterone unsupervised, he's going to get injured. And the only person he's heal- hurting is himself. He's not going to hit the landmark records, get the golden glove. He's just going to he's going to start to dwindle away, destroy his joints. I think the commissioners and all the professional sports just need to quit babysitting, let the game play out, and those that abuse, you know, they're, they're going to end up having the medical issues to deal with it, you know? Do you think that this has anything to do with the rash of arm injuries in baseball? Like the guys, um, you know, with the blown the blown elbows? I Honestly, I think most of Oh, now we're getting into another subject, but I'll give you my opinion. Um, most of the guys like quarterbacks or pitchers, you know, they've developed a certain um, physiology. Their bones and tendons have all grown for some way to throw. What happens with most athletes coming out of college or high school, they'll get to a pro team. They'll have a pitching or a batting coach that tries to change their mechanics, like Strasburg or, you know, a couple of other guys in San Francisco, they throw a little sidearm and don't lead with their yeah, elbow. They're not going to tear their elbow, but you bring it by, you know, you bring it overhand more instead of left submarine, something that's unnatural physiologically that they haven't done since they were 10 years old. That's where the most injuries are coming from, improper training. You're trying to retrain somebody instead of just utilizing what muscles and joints they actually do use and make that faster, quicker, and stronger. Mm. It's I think I think most of the injuries have nothing to do with steroids or or what they call PEDs. I think most of it's just trying to change somebody to become a better because it's more of a corporate you know, thing instead of an individual. I agree. So if they look at the individual, they'd say, let's leave him alone, but let's take what he's got, do high-speed film vector evaluations, figure out the physics, work on those muscles he's already got, integrate the others, and they'll get faster, bigger, and stronger. But if you try to change them, you know, they're not used to it. It's going to tear something. Right. So I think, I think if you look at somebody that's been playing for more than five or ten years, and suddenly they've got um, the knee, the low back, and the lumbar spine very low, and the elbow are the three biggest ones I see if they've been using stuff they shouldn't. Yeah. Wow. So, I, and, but I, I think that's probably 10% at the most in professional sports. I think the majority is of improper training and, and trying to correct their normal physiology to something that's abnormal. So... I think it's just, I think it's just a drop in the bucket, and I think we need to quit babysitting them. And if they injure themselves, they're adults; they'll injure themselves. Yeah. What do you say? I say get them a sawzall. That works best, Omar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Doctor Don. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back on Ozone. We appreciate it. Okay, man. Thanks. God bless you. Right. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye. You know, a lot of lot of great insight there from Doctor Don. A lot of very interesting points, and I wonder how much. You know, and I think every fan wonders what's the major difference between them and the professional athlete other than an eight-figure bank account. I think there's a lot more of it that goes on than just taking a needle or a pill because these guys put in a lot of work. But you want all those guys to be on the same playing field. And uh, as of right now, it seems like there's no clear way to make sure that everyone is on the same playing field. So it's really, really tricky. Well, like Don was talking about, most of it's mental. So you could say what you want. Um, It's basically placeboville 
you know? I, I don't know how much it I – I won't go as far as to say most of it is. I think the guy's healing up and feeling better. When you're at that top-level physical athlete, it's not fake. And there's something to all these numbers. And maybe a lot of it is mental, but I, I think there's got to be some physical elements to it. But speaking of physical elements, are you wearing any 5'4 today? Because I am. And I'm here to tell you, at the 5'4 club – a man gets styled and he's in the place to be without having to set foot in the store. Go to 54club.com and see how you can get $150 worth of clothing a month for just $60. Uh, use promo code Omar if you want to join in and they're going to help you out with a discount on your first couple of months of your membership. 54 Club. It's where a man gets styled. <sighs> so, moving on, it's a very, very interesting week in sports. Uh, I just I just cannot believe what's going on with the NBA playoffs and with the L.A. Clippers primarily. Can you believe this? Have you ever seen a situation where both of a team's stars get hurt in the same game? Unbelievable. Blake Griffin's been playing hurt the whole time anyway, though, really. You know, he's yeah, never, that's what you said. He, he never really healed up. Never really healed. But with CP, you know, that's that was humongous. And you got an assassin like that out there in Damian Lillard, you're not going to last, dude. He can take you out. Man, and Austin Rivers has the bruises and bumps to prove it. Yeah, had to take the stitches to the eyeball and still took an L. That's just uh, that's just bad news. Wow. So the Clippers, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about it. It seems like the Clippers, this was their last hurrah for this incarnation of the Clippers. And I personally wonder if these two injuries just saved Doc Rivers' job, to be honest. Maybe, you know, but... Uh, I think they're going to break that team down. You have to, and I think that they have too many KG veterans on there and not enough youth to keep up with uh, what's going on in the league today because everybody's going young, and, you I mean, these older guys just can't run with them over the long haul. So if you don't if you're, you don't have a bench that's young that you can bring out the fresh legs, it's not going to work. I don't know what the problem is over there, but I know that the ghost of Donald Sterling, who's still alive, is still haunting the team. I don't know what's going on, but you see these guys getting hurt. I mean, fluke injuries. Chris Paul breaks his hand on a fluke injury. That's a fluke injury, that way that that happened. Right. Uh, and Blake, like you said, he was playing hurt, so it's not necessarily a surprise that he ended up, you know, re-injuring it. I thought it was very interesting, actually. It would have been nice to talk to Dr. Don about the procedure that they said he underwent afterwards of a bone marrow draw, PRP kind of procedure to heal up. Uh, the, the, it's kind of like a, a, a cartilage and ligament regeneration kind of thing that they're going for. And, uh, I, you know, I wish Blake the best. I hope he heals up and he's ready for the season next year. And Chris as well, no matter where they're playing, I anticipate that uh, that Blake will still be here in L.A. I don't know so much about Chris Paul. You think they're going to deal him or you think they're going to keep him here? I think they're going to keep him. More than likely, I've been hearing people clamoring about getting rid of Blake for some reason, and I have no idea why, because he's one of the most dominant forces in the NBA. I think there's this clubhouse thing that seems to you see it in all of the sports and it kind of usurps a guy's talent, uh, punching a guy in the face and this, that and the other. It, it seems like sometimes guys just people can't get past that. And regardless of, uh, you know, regardless of his numbers, you can I, get past I it if they it, win. They get over it. Everybody can get over something when you win because in America, Everybody loves a winner. Exactly, especially in Los Angeles. Oh man, yeah. It's just it, to me. It's just it's it's a trip because this just leads me to the next point, which is the Golden State Warriors got to be the luckiest franchise in the history of the NBA, <laughs> right? Yeah. What is going on every single year? I mean, in the same 
in a, in a 24 hour period, the Clippers went from being from from evening up or maybe even being the favorites to beat the Golden State Warriors because Steph Curry had gotten hurt and then spraining his MCL. There was talk of him missing the whole next series. Two, suddenly, it, it, they're they're comp- they're worried about even surviving the first round, which they did not do. Yeah. Um, you know, but this situation with Steph Curry is unbelievable that you can lose a guy like that. And then that just goes to show you how bad Houston really is. I mean, because if you take the place of Portland, put Portland in that place, the, the Golden State Warriors are gone. They're going home. I don't know about that because the thing that I was most impressed with with the Warriors is the team element. You know, those guys were composed. You still got another killer out there in Clay Thompson. Yeah. You got guys that are, that step in and they do their job. Those guys totally and fully believe in the program. These guys are like uh they they're like, you know, they've all they're all sold out. They're all sold out to shooting threes, rebounding and feeding one another. And it's a, you know what I'm I I'm more and more convinced of watching the games that if Sean Livingston would have never gotten that gruesome injury while playing with the Clippers. He could have been an all-time great NBA player. Right. He, he looks great, but I still think that Portland would have took him out just because Portland plays as a team more so than the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets really don't play as a team. They don't – not really. They don't play as a team. And so another team that has their impact player and they're playing with continuity, they're all on the same page, they'll, they'll be – they would be a team that had a, that kind of injury. You know, I, I just feel like – the matchup I don't was know there. How good, I don't know how good Portland is, and we're going to see in this next round. Uh, but well, They got by the Clippers. The Clippers are pretty good, even with injuries, because that's the difference when a team like the Clippers can't pull that kind of product off of the bench like the Golden State yep. Warriors. You know? Yep, you're right. You're right. I mean, the Golden State Warriors are pulling seven footers off the bench, yeah. which is just super impressive, uh, along with other sharpshooters and role players. And they basically have two teams worth of players as opposed to a couple guys, you know, like a like a Jamal Crawford and an Austin Rivers. They have full teams full. Uh, and, you know, the East is getting really hairy out there as well. Like I said, the matchup that I hate that to see happen and happened in the first round was the two hot teams, my two sleeper teams going into the playoffs, where the Charlotte Hornets and the Miami heat and they're going seven right and uh and we got another caller we got a dc sly is interested in in weighing in on the nba playoffs i know he loves the pacers let's see what dc sly has to say dc sly know you're a big supporter of the indiana pacers how do you feel about the pacers going seven with toronto who's going to win that game seven and why yeah it's pacers all day you know (laughs) that's where i'm from so that's what i'm going with i don't care i don't care what you say but no for real man it's uh that team balls they play, and their, their defense, their defense is just smothering. And uh, I thought that last game really showed you how how strong their defense can be. And I think they they wore in the uh, Toronto down. I think they just wore them out and pulled away on them. I really, I really like this Pacer team. I think they're a lot better than people think. Um, wow. I mean, they got they got you know a mix of veteran and young players. You know. Uh, uh, Miles Turner. I mean, that guy. He's he's the truth. I think he's going to be a great player in this league. And you got players like Monte Ellis that can, you know, explode at any moment, give you uh, give you what you need. I mean, they even got people like Rodney Stuckey, Ty Lawson on right. the bench. I mean, I, I I really like their team. I think I think they're uh, I think they got it. I think they got it. So, do you think it's too? Do you think they they have it to go all the way? No, I I don't know about that. I mean, that's that's I would like to see that. We'll see, but uh, I definitely think they got Toronto. I mean, hey, Toronto, you know, it's 
second best league, second best team in the league in the East. So I mean, they they might they might be able to do a little something. They might be able to make a little noise if they uh, once they win this uh, game coming up. Why do you think the Raptors struggle so much in the postseason? I, I don't. I think they don't make the adjustment. I don't think they uh, during the game or that, over the long haul. Just for the intensity of the playoffs, I think uh, it might just be the individual players. You know, like DeRozan. You know, they they score in in the regular season and do their thing, and it gets the playoffs. And I don't think they make that shift to playoff ball. I don't think their D gets tougher. I don't think they adjust to people playing tougher D on them and always having their hand in their face. Right, that playoff um, intensity, huh? Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, the big man. Uh, uh, what's his name? Valencia Orange Juice. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, <laughs> Jonas. He's still he's still young. He's a good player, but he's still young. You know, I mean, you forget how young he is. But he's got a little ways to come. But uh, and Lowry, I mean, he's you know he's been called that before. He's a pit bull, man. He's tough, but I just I think a team like the Pacers and their, and their defense can really smother Lowry and DeRozan. And I think the rest of the team is you know I think the rest of the team can't really step up like that. So I just think they they just got a real tough matchup for them. Yeah. What do you think about the game seven prediction for um, Charlotte in the Heat? What's your game seven prediction? Oh, uh, if if Matoon plays, I think Charlotte wins. Really? I don't. I haven't been keeping up if uh, Matoon is going to play or not. I, I think he might, I, and I think they can win. And uh, you know, I, I think that that helps. That puts uh, that puts uh, Courtney Lee back on the bench for him, right? And um, makes the bench a little stronger. And uh, that's my cousin, by the way, y'all. Indiana represent. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think they uh, I think they can do it. I think they can do. It. I mean, Miami's got the veteran play, and you know, any one game, you know, they can they can put it together and be pretty tough. They got the they got the big names, but Charlotte. Yeah, you, you, the more you watch Charlotte, the more you want them to win. You know, you, you see the right. team, you see the personalities on the they're a likable team. You know, I'm not really a Charlotte fan or anything like that, but you know, just seeing them play, I I like them. I like I like the way they play. And what what about Luke Walton coming to the um, to the Lakers? That that was interesting. I didn't see that coming. I, really, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know he was with the Lakers and everything, and so young guys. I, I thought he might stay up and uh, you know stay up there in Golden State a little while, but um, that that should be. I mean, that should be good. He's a, he's a good young guy, man. I think uh, he's got a lot of basketball knowledge. He's been around some good systems and some great players. So uh, see what happens. I mean, the Lakers got uh, they're gonna have a lot of money to play with, right? Once uh, right. Kobe's gone, and they got some young they got some young stars in the making. So uh, maybe they can put a little something together and do some rebuilding. Well, I see that his dad yeah. thought that he should stay in Golden State as well. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to yeah, see what yeah, happens. I, I thought he might. I thought he might just try to get a little more experience up there. But hey, I guess if somebody offers you to be the head coach of the Lakers, you turn them down? I don't think so. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, who's his? Who's Bird's choice yeah, to win it all right. at this point? Yeah, now, who's it's your choice to win it all right now? Win it all? I, I still got to go with uh, Golden State. And they, they're, they're, still, huh? they're having a magical season. Even even with uh, Curry, Curry down for a little while, you know, I, yeah, you know, but they they can still they got a great team. I mean, they can still I think weather the storm until he gets back, and uh, you know I, I I just see them I see them winning it. I mean, San Antonio's strong. 
Wow, over the Spurs at this point, huh? Because the Spurs, man, they have no injuries at this point, and they're looking really strong. They are. They do. I mean, you look at what they've done all year. Honestly, if it wasn't for the Warriors, amazing performances that, you know, we'd be talking about how great the Spurs are. I mean, yeah, because they, they weren't that far off. Awesome season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got it all. They they, they dispersed the ball well. Um, the minutes are, you know, every, they got players on the bench that can put in 20 minutes a game. I mean, you know, they're they're probably a little bit fresher than most teams. but And everybody knows uh, their role, it, right? Yeah, everybody's got the role. And, I mean, they, you know, they, they're they solid. There's nothing you can say about that. I mean, they, they are a solid team. And Aldridge on there, you know, it really, really kicks it up a notch. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Parker's not necessarily what he used to be. You know, Duncan, you know, he, he's really aging and everything. I, I still like him. Like I think fast. they're the second-best team in the league. But uh, Now, do you think they're yeah, the second-best team still, even with Steph Curry not playing? Uh, that that pushes it. Uh, yeah, that that's tough to say. I mean, they yeah, they're probably they're probably a little bit better without Curry. What's the what's the latest update on Curry? I thought he was gonna uh, just be out for like a you know week and a half or so. Yeah, well, he's saying he's feeling optimistic, and now he's trying to come back and play ASAP. That, I haven't been keeping right. up to date on that. Injury. No, they're saying that he might come back ASAP. They're saying that he might play in game two. Okay, okay. I don't yeah, know how yeah. smart that is, but. DC right. Sly always yeah, I saw injury. I didn't know if it was, you know, obviously he sprained his knee and everything, but it didn't look devastating. But you know, we'll see. All right, we'll DC see. Sly, it's always nice to have you in the old zone. Oh, no doubt, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it. I'm, I'll come back anytime. Appreciate it. Talk basketball all day. All right, man. <laughs> I know you will. All right. D.C. Sly with a very interesting perspective on the NBA playoffs. I feel like everybody's talking about Steph Curry's injuries. Everybody's talking about the Clippers having this fluke curse and what's going on and this, that, and the other. Nobody is talking about that quietly LeBron James is doing something he never gets to do, which is rest. Right. And LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love are playing together, and they're playing not just on the same court. These guys are playing together. And I'm going to change my pick. Uh, I I don't know if they can beat the Spurs, but honestly, I see the Cavs winning the championship this year if nobody gets hurt. These guys, you know, that that series against Detroit was much more competitive than the 4-0 sweep would lead you to believe if you didn't watch the games. Right. And Kevin Love is stepping up now. I mean, he looks great. He's playing I defense. Mean, he's playing defense. He's rebounding. The jumper is wet. You got Kyrie Irving on Instagram dancing all day. They're playing like they're having a good time and like they enjoy each other. And I think that's a really, really big factor. And and you don't you didn't see that all season with the Cavs. You know, you saw a lot of expectation and so on and so forth that oftentimes seemed like they they didn't live up to the expectations and it really it just brought the team down. They got a coaching change. And when I'm watching those games now. Everybody's having a good time. J.R. Smith's out there having a good time. He might actually be sober. You got Imani <laughs> Shumpert. It's like he's having a good time. King James is having a blast and looks like he's 100%. This could be a serious, serious finals, whether it's uh, revenge finals against the Warriors. Or, I would like to see that. Or I, would, I would like to see that as well. And, but I want the I want Golden State to be uh, – In the Spurs. Yeah, I want Golden State to be full strength, though. I don't want any excuses. So, you know, and then if we can get a three, uh, a three, you know, the trilogy would be awesome. But let's get to uh, part two first. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. And 
honestly, th- you know, this uh, this is going to be an interesting series between the San Antonio Spurs and Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma's playing very spirited basketball right now. I don't think they can keep up with the Spurs over seven, but they are playing good basketball. But with the way that the kind of good fortune that the Warriors have, who knows? Both of these teams might just withdraw their bid to go to the finals. I, I don't know <laughs> what's going on. Yeah, and um, the the thing about the Thunder is that I think that once they get caught in a half court set, they won't be as strong as they usually are. They like to get out and run, and and San Antonio figures out a way to slow your game up and make you play their game. Absolutely, and it seems like this is something that Luke Walton wants to try to figure out with these uh, new LA Lakers. I always find it interesting when teams hire a guy during while the season is still going on. You just it's it's hard to see how that doesn't distract a guy. And I mean, I know he's an assistant coach, so it's not like you know he's he's necessarily designing plays. But you got a guy who, to me, is just mind blowing how young he is. I mean, he was just on the roster, I think, in 2014, 2013 of the LA Lakers. It's not right. like he's been removed from the from the league a long time, and I wonder how much success he's going to have with the Lakers. It's, it's just mind-blowing to me that he could potentially be this generation's Pat Riley. Yeah, and I think he's going to be very effective just for the simple fact that he's going to be able to relate to these players, you know. Nowadays, you bring in all these old heads, and they just don't relate or can't get along with these younger guys, and it's a problem. And you need to call it what it is. It's a problem because if you bring in an old guy that has his his format, his formula, and it doesn't work anymore because these guys are making ten times as much as he is, why am I listening to you? Who are you? You know? Right. But with Walton, you know, he can relate. He's he's a peer, more or less. He he might actually dab with the players. Yeah, you never know. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe he'll secretly record some of their conversations. Maybe. And they can really feel, <laughs> you feel maybe. full close to one. Or maybe another. he's a guy that might take you out in the back and rough you up for doing that. Whoa. Well, <laughs> I can't imagine Luke Walton the enforcer. You never can tell. Can you imagine Luke Walton roughing up Julius Randle? That, I would, I would hate to see that. Ultimately, I think the NBA playoffs is going to have a lot to come down with who stays healthy and who gets to the finals in one piece or close enough to it so that they can have the team that they uh, that they put together to get it done. And speaking of good health, who else wants good health other than the gorilla in the jungle? Gorilla life. It's life in a bottle. There's two ingredients. There's chlorophyll and there's water. It's an incredible drink. It helps you. It keeps you fresh. Might lower your blood pressure. Might help your diabetes. You never know. You got to taste it and see what's going on. Go visit GorillaLife.com. You guys can order some straight from them. It's a refreshing beverage. And I tell you, the gorilla is the strongest animal out. And me, myself, I want to be strong. Gorilla Life. Life in a bottle. (sighs) Delicious. Delicious. Moving on, yeah, man. Uh, I had a good time last weekend at the Triple G fight. Me and the icons uh, ringside, courtesy of the champ. I don't want it to bias my non-journalism here, but I liked what I saw. How'd you feel about the fight? I was blown away. I mean, to be ringside and watch some of his devastating power is unbelievable from a guy like his size. I mean, he really looks like he hits like a heavyweight. I mean, the way that the guy reacts to it, it's unbelievable. And and Dominic Wade, I don't know if anybody watched the fight all four minutes and 30 seconds of it, but Dominic Wade actually came out popping the jab and went to the body. Like, he, 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 he hit Triple G pretty hard in that first round. Right. Which Which seemed like it woke him up. Yeah, and and he really responded with some thunder and lightning. He went Thor on him. <laughs> he gave you Norse God. And and there was a body shot that he hit Wade with that I'm telling you, inside I, of the forum, it sounded like somebody got hit by a bus. Right, and I think everybody just went, oof. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he knocked the wind out of me, and I wasn't even the one that got hit. Yeah, but it was it was great to see Triple G there. Great to get to watch Chocolatito fight the pound for pound best fighter in the world. But I, I'm just wondering what's next for Triple G. I mean, I I see him employing other tactics now. He's uh, he he gets up there afterwards. He's speaking in Spanish, which I think is a great move. Right. It's he awesome. really loves the city of Los Angeles, and they really love him. As you, you wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. We've embraced him. He's ours now. Yeah, and and he's calling for his belts. He said he doesn't care who wins. Khan Canelo. I just need my belt, which is, <laughs> which is, I mean, I like to hear that strong talk. I wonder if he's going to move up at all, or I wonder if he's just going to stay right around that, that weight class. What do you think? I think that he has the power to move up, but I don't know if he can take the power that comes with moving up. You know, if you understand what I'm saying, because I'm exactly what you're saying. That's a, it's a real challenge. Yeah. That's a challenge right there. I think that he has the power to thump with him, but you know, a lot of guys, we've seen it go the wrong way when they move up in weight, and it's really not fair to that guy because he has nobody else to fight. But the problem also is that people literally are running from him. So he has to get out of his, not comfort zone, but out of his element to be able to find a fight. And he's a fighter, so he's trying to fight when everybody else is running from him. Then there's that. And uh, definitely guys don't want to fight him, not in that general weight class. It seems very difficult. But I tell you what, a couple guys that I would like to see him fight that I don't know if uh, – I, I don't know I don't know if uh, they're running from him or if it's one of those – you know, I don't know if it's one of those uh, different network issue things, you know, where, where you have the, the – you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Wait. Yeah, where you have all of the 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 HBO doesn't want to doesn't want to have a fight with uh, a, a co-production with Showtime or right. blah 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 blah. Because I tell you, there's some guys on the other side that I would like to see him fight. I would love to see Triple G fight Danny Jacobs. I would love to see him fight Danny Jacobs because Danny Jacobs isn't scared. He's athletic uh, and he can move. He he knocked out Kid Chocolate in that first round uh, a couple couple months ago, and I was really surprised. That was a that was an amazing knockout. Um, but he's 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 the comeback kid. He's the miracle kid. You know, he actually beat cancer. I met Danny once at a charity event, and uh, hearing his story was very inspiring. And he wasn't scared of cancer. I don't think he's scared of anybody in the middleweight division. But I don't know who else he goes and fights. Right, and I don't think that it's fear that uh, stopped these guys from fighting. It's just the whole uh, – it's like you said, going across cross-pollination of the networks and – there's a lot of legal stuff that Emotional goes on. Emotional camps and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it's not fair to the, the, the fight fans, but it's actually, you know, how we get to put the fights on. So there has to be a, like a happy medium, but right now the guy's having a hard time finding fights. I, I know that Triple G, and uh, he needs to, you know, they're going to have to try to set up something so that he can get the fights that he wants and needs to, you know, to solidify his, his history. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes, because uh, to me, the only way I can see him going is up. I mean, the bigger names right now are down, meaning Canelo in that 147 class. Right. But none of those guys got any work for him. There's, there's just no way. There's no way. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that Canelo is a plotter and I don't think that he's like he has enough experience at this point to beat a guy like Triple G. And also, can he take a punch? I haven't really seen him take – I've seen him in the, in the ring a couple of times and take some good shots, but from a guy who's going to throw heavy punches 
every single time. It's, it's it, nowadays the jab is a lost art. So now guys come in throwing hard crosses, hard. You know everything's hard. Nobody's going soft in a way. Everything is hard. So can he take it as much as he puts it out? That's what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's we have to we have to figure it out. I don't know what the <laughs> I, I I was a little confused by your statement, but ultimately we'll find out. I don't think uh, we're going to find out with Amir Khan. I think we're going to find out after this Khan fight to see what his response is going to be, um, and, and whose response. I mean, say Khan wins this fight and pulls off the upset, Khan definitely shouldn't fight Triple G. There's no uh, right. he, he is no incentive for that. Yeah. There's no reason to do that. Khan's still so, trying to get Manny and um, Floyd back in the ring. Yeah, he seems like he's given up on that a little bit, and I, I'm happy for that because he can be a star in his own right. You know, he doesn't need those guys, and I, and I think he can he can put it together. Um, yep. Speaking of putting it together, I took a trip. Wow, I took a trip. I took a private jet flight. I mean, this was something incredible. Some company called Jet Smarter claims to be the Uber of the skies, and you know what? They're right. For about $1,000 a month, you can fly on private jets unlimited. If you are a traveler and you have to travel all the time, this might be the thing for you. Check it out, guys. Uh, download the app. It's called Jet Smarter. And use the promo code BALLERS if you want to get a little uh, money off your membership. Well, moving on to, to one of the final things I want to cover. Uh, we're going to have to cover this NFL draft um, in depth on the next podcast. But as of right now, I just want to cover one of the stories in it. And it's this Laramie Tunsil character. This guy is like, uh, this is, this is something out of a movie. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this, but this kid was, was predicted to go top five. And before he gets drafted, his social media gets hacked and a picture of him wearing like a 19, 40s World War II gas mask with attached with a bong smoking what you'd have to assume would be the devil's weed appeared on his Instagram and his Twitter wow. dropping dropping him down uh, potentially costing him millions in endorsements and the whole song and dance he ended up with the Dolphins which seems to be trying to figure out a way to become the Raiders East or the Raiders Southeast <laughs> if you will no, they're taking all of the, the hard luck cases and maybe guys that don't have the discipline of some of your more uh, focused players coming into the league. And then he gets on stage uh, for a press conference to talk about how his, his account got hacked and X, Y, and Z. And somebody else drops a social media hack on him where basically it's it's shown him asking for money from his coaches at Old Miss to pay his mom's electric and uh, power bill, electric and water bill. And then they asked him, they said, well, what about, what about accepting money from coaches? And he says, yeah, well, I'm going to have to say, yeah, I did accept money from coaches. What are they going to do now? And the kid has literally blown up the spot. I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of information about these suspect fashion choices that are going on at the NFL draft, uh, but men wearing midriffs and halter tops and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, you got to look it up. Uh, but this, to me, is the most compelling story because this kid, for one, it goes back to the same adage, which is why are these kids not able to take care of themselves when they're making millions of dollars for these universities? Right. I mean, why does this kid have to beg for money to keep his power on when he's a first round draft pick that's coming for the NFL? 
which means that he's protecting your your precious quarterback and your running back, which makes him one of the most valuable people on the team. And you don't want him to ask for the money for his light bill. You want him to just sit in the dark while the, the school <laughs> and the counselors and the chancellors and everybody else sits around and eats high off the hog. And the thing is, is it's not even him sitting in the dark because he's in the dorms. You know, you, his his mother, uh, who is his mother and his father, apparently. Um, but it's a, it's a very – it's something that they're going to have to address. They're going to have to figure out some sort of stipend or something for these players because everybody is always so surprised to find out that guys are taking money. Newsflash, everybody. High-end players get benefits. <laughs> in every sport, in every profession, in life. It's the real world. This is the real world. Terry, as the co-host, is going to get special benefits in comparison to the guy that's bringing the water to the podcast. Because he's the co-host. And unfortunately, I didn't make the rules. Things in the world are not equal. And we're doing everything we can to make them so. But one of the things we got to do is address the issue. And we're not addressing the issue here. This kid... He shouldn't have to beg and and he shouldn't have to hide behind the fact that by give, sacrificing his body and his health, potentially, uh, he needs a little help. I just it's just mind blowing to me. OK, let me ask you, let's go deeper than that. What purpose does it serve for somebody to put these tweets and videos and everything out on him at this point? You know, I'm, I'm going to go with full hate here. You have to. I don't. I, you do. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you get out of putting this kid on blast. I really don't. Like, well, like, why Why would you do this? This is somebody, obviously, who was smoking weed with him, uh, who took a video of him. Yeah, the kid's a knucklehead for letting somebody videotape him smoking weed, um, but he is a 21-year-old yes, kid. He is a kid, and they, yeah. say, they say that the video cost him $7 million in salary after Miami selected him in, uh, in seven picks later, which is terrible. Come on, man. That's the most expensive joint... <laughs> That is that is the bomb chronic, if you will. Seven that billion dollar hit. Doctor Dre, two thousand and one. Right. Uh, you know they're saying uh, on over on Bleacher Report, uh, they're quoting Andrew Abramson of the Palm Beach Post. It's uh, saying that the Dolphins believe that it was uh, Tunsil's former financial advisor who posted the video, which is just straight hate. Yeah. So he he went with somebody else, and so they're basically going to burn him, huh? Come on, man. He was supposed to be a potential number one pick. That's not cool. No, it's not cool. And and you know what? Where's where's the detriment to this guy? This guy's name isn't even listed. And 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 he needs to lose something because of this. And not just the fact to manage money. You know, these are the some of the things that we cover on Baller Season Two. It's, it's I just I tell you, it's just amazing because no matter how far we go with the plots on this show, it just we can never go as far as the actual players. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. This is a straight rip from the headlines. You do something like this, and it's unbelievable that it's <laughs> reality. This this kid is basically – I can only see what – I can only imagine what happened behind the scenes with this kid. Somebody probably tried to blackmail him or whatever. He'd probably just say, hey, man, put it out there and do what you got to do. I mean, Do what you got to do. Yeah, do what you got to do. I can't sit around and have you – well, you know, if you don't do this, then I'm going to have to let the video out. Let it out, man. I can't, I can't let you just blackmail me because you, you saw me hitting the ball. Come on, dude. I hit the bong. I had to hit the weed. My knee was messed yeah, up. Yeah. Now, now you you made him lose seven million. Okay, I lost it. Guess what? Life goes on. He's still going to the big dance. He's going to the show. That dude's going to the show. Yeah. And from what I understand, that man's going to make big money for his entire career, and he's probably going to help somebody get to the Super Bowl. Right. 
Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Yeah, and and uh, speaking of rip from the headlines, I want to introduce a new section, and it's called "You Tricked." Who tricked? This week, no, you tricked. Is is a veteran Chicago sports casting legend, Bruce Wolf, and he tricked because he tweeted possibly the worst joke ever while broadcasting a game uh, between the Chicago White Sox and the Baltimore Orioles. He said that the White Sox were in their Freddie Gray road uniforms in Baltimore tonight. Now, for those who don't know, who've been living under a rock, Freddie Gray is the, the young African-American man who was taken into police custody and miraculously killed uh, on a, what they called the rough ride when they bounced him around while he was handcuffed and ended up breaking his neck and dying and sparked riots and uh, protests and the whole nine in the, the city of Baltimore last year. Such an insensitive joke. It's not a joke. Um, it's tragedy. And, and this is just a... I don't know what makes you do that. What makes you say something stupid like that? So, Bruce Wolf, you know what? You trick! And that's it. Well, it's been an interesting week on the Ozone, ladies and gents. We got more for you. We're going to try to come back at you with the, uh, a podcast sooner than later. But we love that you joined us. We hope you enjoyed our callers and our take on sports because the Ozone is unfair and partial. Me and the icons tell it how we think it should be and how we think it is. I want to leave you with a quote here from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Men succeed when they realize that their failures are the preparation for their victories. What do you think about that, Bone? I like that guy, man. He's got a lot of great quotes. I know. He's the kind of guy you wish could live forever so he could just keep writing quotes. <laughs> I think he's got <laughs> enough of them. <laughs> They'll live forever. He got a lot done. There it is. I guess he did live forever. Yeah. All right, ladies and gents. Ozone, out. Late. Late.